This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from Spaceballs with mentions of Hofast, Manacled, The Love Hypothesis, Fifty Shades, and Star Wars. For full list, please see show notes. Everybody and welcome to a court of fandoms and exploration, your weekly deep dive into the fantasy literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie, and I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing something we haven't touched on before, but we are discussing uh, comedy and fandoms, and we are going to be using uh, Mystery Science Theater and Spaceballs to talk about this now, Jessica Marie. I gave you some homework, didn't I? You gave me homework. You gave me homework for that. We initially we were just going to discuss mystery science theater and the specific episode Star Crash, and then we were talking. You had asked me another question. I forget where, how we got there, and you're like, "Wait, have you ever seen Spaceballs?" And I go, "You know, I know the premise. I, ha- I, I I'm somebody who I've watched a lot of movies, but I've also am not a repeat movie watcher. And I just remember maybe I, I, I watched it once when I was younger, and I don't remember much of it outside of that. And you were like, okay, here's your homework. You're going to watch Spaceballs and you're going to watch Star Crash. And then your additional homework is you cannot take notes. You cannot do research. You need to just vibe, which if you've been following the podcast for a while, you know, that's really, really hard for me. Um, and so that's what I did. So whatever comes out of my mouth, I have no reference points, all vibes. Um, and I laughed so much because of that. So thank you. All vibes, all vibes. Now, uh, you may be asking, Akave, why are, why are you doing this? Well, this is why. I think it is important. This is me, I statements, me, Laura Marie. <laughs> I think it's important to acknowledge that, again, as we have previously stated, book hangovers are real. They're a real thing. And sometimes when you are in like a book hangover, when you're in a book slump, when yeah. nothing is hitting, because me right let now. me tell you, yeah, like me too, like it, like it is rough out here. Uh, it's rough and nothing is really hitting for whatever reason, you know? So what do you do when it's not hitting? When, when everything you're reading isn't hitting or DNFing everything and you go to fan fiction and fan fiction isn't hitting. Like, oh my God, what do you do when fan fiction doesn't hit? You go to Tumblr and like, it's just, is not working. And like, it's just the recommendations just aren't there. Where can you go? There's a lot of places, but I think a place that isn't talked about maybe enough is comedy. Sometimes, like, it's not so serious, right? Like, and sometimes we all take ourselves too seriously, like myself included. And it has been a very high emotions, high stress environment kind of for a bit, right? Like, new releases. I'm talking about new releases. (laughs) And sometimes it's just like helpful 
to take a step back and laugh because like, damn, it is not so serious. It, <laughs> it really isn't like, like, whoa. So where can you go when you just want to laugh? Well, you can go to parodies because parodies can keep you in the realm of where you want to be. So the familiar world that you kind of want to be in, but give it something new, something funny, something different. Um, if you talking fan fiction, um, Draco Malfoy and the mortifying ordeal of being in love. I mean, this is a very, you know, funny, funny. We don't talk about funnies, but there's a funny one. So, so all of this to say that mystery science theater is very funny. It is a very funny show. Now, this is a TV show. So if the reading isn't hitting Go to a different format. Yeah. Right? And, like, we recently had our book hangover discussion, like, in a previous episode, where that was, like, the medium we were trying to go to after the newest HoFast release, but we still wanted to be in that world. And, like Laura said, like, sometimes things aren't hitting, but you still want to be in the fandom. You still, like, how, and how do you go about it in a way that also... um the the parodies are for like what we're discussing they're done out of love and it reminds me of just like how we discussed on our third eye episode with um which is the book by felicia day where it came from a place of love from fandom like it's an ode to fandoms it's an ode to appreciation um of like the things that we love and that's what these two um both space balls and star crash slash mystery science theater do like it's not there's no ill intent when we're in these worlds and fandoms. At least I don't think so. <laughs> and Jess, I'm so glad that you brought up Third Eye because Mystery Science Theater was a show that I, I mean, I'm dating myself, but that's fine. I used to watch <laughs> as a child on the on the weekends, like with my dad. It was very fun. It was very special. That's how, and Jess, I know from just a conversation we just had, uh, you had the same experience. That was my introduction to a lot of old-timey movies. Yeah. Was through that Mystery Science Theater format. And it went off the air for a while. And it was brought back to life by none other than Felicia Day. And Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt. Random. But also not random. If you're like yeah. a fa if you're like in a con community, if you're in a fandom, like a general, like a generalization, like fandom community, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, of course, they're, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, so Felicia has uh reinvigorated, brought back to life, Mystery Science Theater, which is just a TV show about so like a social experiment prison kind of situation, uh, where she forces a human and two, sometimes three robots to watch old, bad movies. And it is just very humorous. Throw the peanut gallery. They crack jokes and it's hilarious. It's, it's commentary the whole time. Um, which is almost like sometimes their commentary, it, they're saying your internal thoughts out loud, which makes it really, really fun. And, Specifically, so I got to choose and I thank you, Jess, and I got to choose and I chose Star Crash and I chose Star Crash because it's 
the the jokes are very funny and I knew that they would hit with Jess specifically. So this was like kind of catered <laughs> towards her and it just so happened to fit very well uh, with Spaceballs. Now, Jess, Mystery Science Theater is kind of niche. It is not something that I feel like is is like well-known outside of fandom which is weird i thought it was one of those things that everybody knew so when i would explain like to like classmates or something oh you know that show with like the people watching the movie because i don't think i remembered what it was called when i was younger i just remembered it was just like the silhouettes watching the movie that you're watching god i i was i was looking like i was being looked at like i had three heads but i had no idea what i was talking about and I, I can like the theme song crow it's just it's so fun the whole thing is so fun the jokes are funny the there is we watch this on netflix of course um and there are like built-in commercial breaks there's like summaries of things and there are little bits and skits and things it's just it's very silly entertaining right like mindless entertaining and that is sometimes where you need to go when nothing is working and you're kind of in a funk and laughing. Here, here's the other thing. You, you do kind of have to be in a mood to laugh because mm-hmm. you can reluctantly laugh, but it takes a lot, right? Like to get that reluctant laugh out of you if you were just determined and you're just like, man. Yeah. So... I, I do think you have to pay attention to your mood, but like these are gems. I gotta say, like these are gems. And I and I went into this again. I haven't seen. I, I've never seen Star Crash, and I've uh, only who seen, has who <laughs> has. And now this is the only way I've seen Star Crash. So I don't even know if I could watch it and take it seriously. Um, but it's it's so niche that I just kind of was like I wasn't expecting to laugh. And and that goes to what you were saying where like if you're not in a laughing mood. I don't think I was. I which was makes it even that much better because I had no intention. I had full I fully thought it was just going to be I'm watching it while I'm randomly window shopping online. And it grabbed my attention. I was laughing. I would find myself rewinding it because like that's too good. There's no way it's that good. And it's and I I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast. I do not follow the Star Wars fandom. It's very intimidating. Um, But you have like, you know, I think there's a lot of people who even if you don't follow it, you know of it. You know, you know the references, you know the key characters, Um, you know, like general plot storylines. So even with the basic level of information that I have with Star Wars, it was so helpful for both Spaceballs and Star Crash, specifically this Mystery Science Theater episode. Um, that context made it all the funnier. It really did, especially since Christopher Plummer's in both, uh, which is just hilarious on top of everything. Um, but I have the Star Wars, this isn't Star Wars, <laughs> stuck in my head. And it is just, it is just fantastic. Okay. So Star Crash is like very, it's it's like a it's a Star Wars ripoff. We can call it what it is. My favorite thing about it, though, is that uh, it is a female main character. I like I, argue with me here. Like she she is front and center. Like Stella Stella is all in, and Stella wears 
like less and less clothing as the movie goes on. Yes. And yes. it is hilarious. I think they call it vampire lingerie. It is it is so funny. It reminded me of and maybe this is like okay, remember the fembots in Austin Powers, like then more girl, like more women would come and they would still be like scantily clad. But then you know that I couldn't tell if Star Crash was start was trying to be a parody of Star Wars because it feels like it's mocking Star Wars and Princess Leia and everything that she's wearing. And then even from the peanut gallery, they're like they were trying, you know, they're trying to talk their shit and they were like, yeah, but like we'd probably really like this if Star Wars didn't come out first. Yeah, no, for real. And here's the, here's, and I totally agree with you because there is no way that I can take this movie seriously with that robot having that Southern accent. (laughs) Oh my God. What is that? It is the best thing in the world is what it is. And it, it captures your attention. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Every time he was talking, I was listening. It's just amazing. So incredibly funny. So, um, very, very loosely, um, Stella, what what is her name? Like Stella star. She, she's like a thief. (laughs) Uh, She's a thief and she, uh, gets tangled up in this situation with, um, trying to get a bounty and she ends up crashed and saved david hasselhoff is in this everybody david hasselhoff it is fantastic i and again like i know this movie is older both of the movies are older so i couldn't tell if you know i think in our practical magic episode we talk about like practical side like practical effects that they use for and i couldn't tell i'm like are they doing this seriously or is are they doing it mockingly or is it this was just the technology that they had then? Um, I couldn't tell and I really wanted to. And I was like, no, don't get sucked into that. This is probably just the technology that was really readily available. Well, and my fa- okay, here's my favorite thing about uh, Star Crash. There's a lot. My favorite thing is that space is so loud. Space is so loud. It's just like, oh, my God, space. The, the vastness of space is just too loud it's it's amazing and and they comment on it too but knowing that in space balls it is silent i well hmm when i know where else is silent where rigelis is but that's not either there i just I, i don't know the concept of space is wild i don't know I think I liked Spaceballs more, maybe, but I laughed a lot. Well, of course. Okay. No, let's talk about Spaceballs. Uh, Spaceballs, I, I I saw Spaceballs. I think everyone saw Spaceballs when you were a child. Uh, somehow. At some point. Yeah. At some point. Everybody saw Spaceballs when you were a child. Either it was on TV or like someone was watching it or somehow you saw it as a child. Uh, I guarantee you, you did not understand half of these jokes as a child. Oh, absolutely not. I think you see John Candy as barf and you're like, okay, a guy's dressed up as a dog. I think yeah, that ha-ha. was like, yeah, that, but there's things that are being said that easily went over our heads. And then I think I texted you. I was like, this is so funny. But I also think this would not pass today. Oh, yeah. No, this would this would not pass today. Okay. Spaceballs, Mel Brooks, um, uh, Joan Rivers. Oh, my gosh. Like, fantastic. Wait, who is Joan Rivers? She's Dot. 
The robot. Oh! Did it just blow your mind? Yes! Yeah, I had no idea. I was blown. I knew it was John Candy. I, of course, I knew about Mel Brooks. Um, and then when not Star Lord. Why do I want to say Star Lord? Lone Star. Lone, Lone Star. Star. Yeah, Lone it's Star. Lone Star. Um, I was like, oh my god, it's the dad from Casper. <laughs> Still hot. Still hot. Yeah, he was really attractive. And then I was thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I bet you when, like, we were watching Casper as kids, our parents were like, oh, my God, that's Lone Star. Like, oh, that's why they were wanted to go see it. it, It's just it's too funny. Of course, Mel Brooks, like, plays yogurt. Everything. Uh, Yeah. Yogurt. He's the the he's in charge of um, space balls. It's it is just amazing. Uh, just amazing. So if you want to compare and contrast, I guess, like Stella, Star, and, and Vespa. Vespa. <laughs> um, obviously, I love Vespa. I, I, I like I love her. She's amazing. Every, everything about her is just fantastic. Uh, my favorite thing about her is when she takes the the buns off and their headphones it, it's, it's just a good gag it's a good gag when you know just like a baseline of star wars right because yeah. that, that's all you need really to really really laugh at this meanwhile i was like when she the part that i really liked was when she got shot at and like a bullet whipped by her hair and ruined her hair and she go and she was like i don't know how i feel about guns and then somebody shot at her and she goes you shot my, you almost ruined my hair. And she like took everybody out. Not even a question. I was like, that's some Bryce energy. And that would be me. <laughs> like, how dare you? Now you're asking for it. And and I think that's the thing too, because when you're in this realm of fandom, right? Because that's, that's really what this is. Like we are in a space opera setting, right? Of of fandom. Of sorts, yeah. Of sorts. And we are in like a a parody area. We're laughing. This is fun. This is funny. We are having fun. We are having an adventure together and it is fun and we're not taking it too serious. There are jokes. Mel Brooks is cracking jokes. Like, oh my goodness. The thing that I love about Spaceballs is all of the Star Trek references there are so many it is hilarious it's just fantastic and also something that i love that i did not pick up on as a child is that they play the like jaws song (laughs) for the ship i didn't get that as a kid but gosh is that funny wait so it it pulls from other space odyssey operas not just Star Wars. Because you, oh, yeah. I know, obviously, I know you follow Star Wars, but, like, you are a, like, Star Trek was your thing. You were, like, Trekkie through and through. So, that's so fun. But that, I, even though I haven't watched that, I can still take things away from it and enjoy it. Yeah. So, it's not, like, just for, like, certain fandoms. And I do think that in a parody, laugh, comedy situation... You are able to do things a little bit broad so that you can hit like more like a broader audience. Mm-hmm. But so and you can do more things Be- because, yeah, within Spaceballs, there are so many jokes that just pull 
from um, like pop culture、mm-hmm. and and other things going on, like Pizza the Hut. Like, come on, <laughs> come on, that's funny shit. Like. Um, the, there's an air shortage. Uh, uh, air rights. Like, come on. Oh, <laughs>、uh, we love our air rights. We love our air rights, and you know, like, come on. You have to remember why we're doing this. We're doing this for a shitload of money. Like, it, this is just. It, this is very fun. And even within, like, if you're not outward it, with space balls, if they weren't outwardly making that those like broad comparisons and like. Homages to, they were also able to laugh at themselves. So, like when Mel Brooks is like talking about merchandising and like specifically with like the the spaceballs themselves, or when Rick Moranis is like the the whole bit of now and then and past and present, and then they like catch up and they're looking at the TV, which is like looking at the third wall and then breaking the fourth wall to go back into like their. Dim- it was so, it just it's so quick and fun, and I feel like. It has been a very long time since that sort of creativity has been out there in media. Well, and you you bring this like full circle a little bit too, because talking about breaking breaking walls, Spaceballs does that all the time. Oh my gosh, there there's so there's so many, but Mel Brooks is famous for that. Men in tights, they pull out <sighs> the script, so it is then. So fun when there are nods like that to the audience, or just to itself in general. So you know you're just not taking itself too seriously, which is what Mystery Science Theater does too. You know, like one, it they're they're not taking that movie seriously, even though it's like you know they're supposed to, it's supposed to be like. But you're not you know. supposed, yeah, and you're not supposed to. You're not、yeah. supposed to take it seriously, and it's like they're giving you the permission that it's okay not to. Yeah, I mean, come on, Jerry Seinfeld shows up in this episode in like a pencil thin mustache and like a suit and an accent. Like I, I saw this and I was like, Jerry, what are you doing here? <laughs> he's getting、Sir? a paycheck. Yeah,、many. he's getting that money. <laughs> he didn't have to do a lot. Let me tell you something. He was just, you know, he didn't have to do a lot.、Uh, but, but I also think th- that it is important to. I'm looking at the Schwartz、um, and the Ring on Lone Star. <laughs> that you can have fun, but also have a cohesive story. Yeah.、Uh, so I also think it's really important to say that you can have fun, right? You can have fun. You can have like a romp. You can have an adventure, and still have a good story, even if that story it might be a ripoff of Star Wars, like Star Crash. Or even in a respectful parody environment, because I do think Spaceballs is a respectful parody environment. Now, it is though its own thing. It does stand alone on itself. It has a beginning, a middle, an end. Right? It has、yeah. its own characters. It wraps up like it's its own packaged movie story. It doesn't have to. Like and there isn't there there like isn't another one, but it it doesn't have to like sit on the shelf with Star Wars. It can be its、yeah. own thing, right? Yeah, and I like that it's also it is its own thing, and not a million different spinoffs have come from it. You don't have like oh, and here's the lore of like Barf After Dark, you know, and like here's I I like that it's it didn't need to become this overwhelming thing too. Yeah, 
And it's also something that you can you can go back to and it gets funnier, which I also think uh, speaks to, I mean, obviously Mel Burks, but it does get funnier every time you see it. You pick up new things and Dark Helmet is just hilarious. Of course, Rick is just fantastic. <laughs> um, Combing the desert. Like, there's like different. I love a good pun. I love a good pun. I think it's so it's it's and, and they lean into the tropes, you know, the tropes that we know and love. They're like, oh, princesses are spoiled. And she's like, space rangers are spoiled. And like and then they're like, oh, hard eyes the whole time. I just it's so fun. And then, of course, he's like the long lost prince of course no of, of course, course. That has, of course of course and he comes in like all in white no of course the thing that i love about both of these movies of course is they are female like led like yeah. of course like lone star is you know okay but uh she's the main character there and her sidekick is a female robot which is not the case obviously in Star Wars uh, you know but it is it is just very fun and she is sassy and she's outspoken and she's capable that's the other thing is like she's capable and it's fun watching her and Lone Star and it's fun watching her call and whine to her dad it's just fun but it's also not annoying because yeah. again she's capable she she found her way to ditch yeah. her wedding first thing at the beginning of the movie she's like this isn't for me i'm not about this life i don't love this guy i'm getting the fuck out of here finds a way in her spaceship navigates her spaceship and really even when she comes back to her dad it was just because she got kidnapped and it was some like previously made a- arrangement so so like the druids would be safe so her people would be safe it had like it was just really it was the self-sacrificing females that we're so used to and and still have a good time and of course in star crash like stella is she's in charge she's bossing that robot around she's telling everybody what to do she's yelling at david hasselhoff you're a prince okay you know you're a shitty king okay i love that you took so much away from star crash because i was just here for the vibes because i couldn't tell you that plot to like to save my life just like unalive me if you tried david hasselhoff just is such a pretty man when he was young like objectively objectively very a lot of people thought so he was the head of the show and like still adored in other countries yeah yeah it's it's so fun to watch him be so serious in that and like really like act his face off he's just like "Mm." Uh, as stella wears less and less clothing (laughs) so fun so silly just so silly um i i like that movie i like mystery science theater of course more which is what we're talking about um so felicia in her like um iteration i guess of mystery science theater it is really keeps the same vibes as the original it is still fun it is still something that like kids can watch which i which i also think is speaks to um an accessibility thing too because like i was able to watch this as a kid which gave me exposure like you did to old movies which i probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise um but it also exposed me to 
um, being able to look at something and laugh and not take it so seriously. Um, and though the argument my uh, family made was that it taught um, bad movie etiquette. In the sense of like, look at these, the like the commentators, like you shouldn't be talking through the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. But also mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me now. Yeah. You say that. I know. Yeah. It was like, you know, this is, this is teaching you like bad movie etiquette. Like don't do this. And po- like, it was, it was a whole, like, thing. These, it was these, a whole thing. It was like what not to do. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which was so like funny looking back on that teachable moment um, with the rise of movie etiquette being not so great. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it's also mixed right now, too, right? Because there are some movies where you want that communal experience. Like, that's part of the fun of going to the movies. But then in other times, you're very much like, yo, this is not the time or place. It's it, it, it's very much of, like, understanding your surroundings. Yeah. And also, understanding your surroundings, again, speaks to vibes. Sometimes comedy is not, like, where you want to go. I, though, and just I th- maybe you too, this was exactly what I needed. I didn't know I needed it until I watched it. I have been a, in a book slump. I even started rereading Reese's POV because I just was like, I didn't want to be fully in. But I picked up and stopped a lot of reads that I've just been trying to get into. And nothing is hitting it for me. And I just like, so I've really been like catching up on a lot of shows and things that I haven't watched in a while. Um, and I'm very much in a slump. So this was like a nice, I don't want to say palate cleanser. It was just something different that was needed. And again, I wasn't expecting to laugh. I fully expected to just be watching this and just like, hmm, like maybe, maybe do a corner of the mouth smirk, if you will. Um, like I was cackling and I, I know I was sending you voice memos. You were sleeping, but I was sending you voice memos. I was just so pleasantly surprised from both of them, from both of the things that we, you, we, we were watching. Um, it, it was, it was needed. And I feel like even if you haven't explored the genre or haven't watched either of these at all, or maybe it's just you need a refresher. Go back to it because I, I, I think that's also important. Laura, you always talk about like going outside of different genres, which is always refreshing. And I feel like maybe that's what we need to do. Cause when was the last time we really talked about a space opera space? I mean, what Dune and we have, and the Dune movies coming out soon too. Um, but it just feels like it's been a while. It does feel like it's been a while. And sci-fi, this is interesting. I had a conversation. Oh, this is so interesting. I had a conversation about sci-fi with friend of show Becky. And she was saying that she, oh my gosh, uh, watched Dune. and The original or the new one? The new one. And it was hard for her because she doesn't really like sci-fi. She, Mm -hmm. if she's going to go, um, like in in the vein of sci-fi she would rather go like dystopian than she would like full sci-fi because that some, something about like the future gadgets and it's like sad and 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 cold and not something that she's interested in and i thought huh well damn you know that's that's interesting i wonder then if 
more girls were exposed to sci-fi like this. Yeah. In a in a in a different it presented to sci-fi in a different way. So like you come in through something that's like funny or like a parody of something and you get interested that way. That could be something. Um and also just like exposure. Uh Mystery Science Theater does skew more young, but is fun to watch as an adult because you understand all of the jokes and it's fast and like witty and and you get it. Well, it's un- it's interesting you say that it skews young because I guess I don't know if it necessarily skews young because the movies and the films that are being discussed aren't necessarily young. I think there is, you know how we talk about third places and like the 10-year-olds aren't having their third place or anybody's not really having their third place. You could almost say the same thing for media in the sense that you either have media that's aimed really for younger audience or really for an older audience. But that middle of like things that you you will watch as a family or that's quote unquote family approved that that seems to be missing. And that's what Mystery Science Theater seemed to bridge is that you can watch it with your family and you're not necessarily going to get the jokes that are going over your head. But it's also still appealing to the adults where it's like movies that they grew up with. Um, Like, I think two of the examples that I gave were Jason and the Argonauts and Planet of the Apes, like the original Planet of the Apes. I probably would not have necessarily watched either of those classics initially by itself unless it was through this medium. Yeah, and it is something to be said that it is more engaging for someone I I like I like how you're talking about third place and this like preteen kind of like gap that you're talking about. I like this a lot. There's something to be said for that and you wouldn't sit down and watch these things. But like in this setting like that age, like, you're going to eat that shit up, right? It's yeah. funny. Like, sometimes there's fart jokes, but sometimes there's, like, other stuff that, like, they're laughing and you're like, ha, 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 but, like, you don't really get it. And But it could make sense. Like, that is that is really something. And it, and it does go to, like, exposure and accessibility. Like, you know, these kids see it when they're young. They'll watch it again when they're older. And it becomes part of like the cultural zeitgeist of things that we're able to pick up on. Speaking of, I can't tell you how many things that uh, Looney Tunes first exposed me to. Yeah. I don't even know if I watched Looney Tunes now. Again, I think I'd be like when we were listening to songs growing up and we knew every single lyric. Do we know what every single lyric meant? Absolutely not. But we knew every single one of them. And I feel like if, if we were to watch Looney Tunes now, Whoa. I know yeah. that there were things that, I mean, that were way we wouldn't have picked up on. Yeah. And also the the music in Looney Tunes was something that I noticed um, that I, I was like, huh, why do I know this? Oh. And, and then um, working... In an educational setting, I was able to see these things and be like, oh, my God. Oh, even with like, what was it? W, w, 
WB Frog or something where he was like, hello, my baby. Like classic like songs from the 20s, 30s, 40s were played that we learned growing up. And then when you hear them in a in a more formal setting, you're like, oh, I know this song because of Looney Tunes. Well, and that brings me to something that I think is just very fun. When our princess is in her cell and she's singing. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, okay, question. So when Zazu's doing that in The Lion King, because that's how I know that song, is that a reference to this? Is it? I don't know, but that's the first thing that I thought of. Right? Right? Isn't that just so fun? You're We're, like, proving our point as we, like, talk, right? <laughs> like, because this is exactly that. And I I think it's just funny that she's a bass. Like, oh, my God, she's a bass. <laughs> so did, they were supposed to find They're like, who saw that coming? <laughs> Which, again, is just kind of breaking um, breaking stereotypes, right? Like, they, you don't expect that. She's like this dainty princess, and she's got this, like, deep voice. It's played as a joke, but it is a little bit more than that. It is her breaking stereotypes, and it is fun, and it is does show her as being a little bit more multifaceted than just like a character like Stella Star. No hate. Um, but, she, you know, she's not singing her, singing her little songs or cracking her jokes very much, you know, but she is taking care of that Southern robot. I think that having... I, I just love what you're saying about third places because I do think that maybe this little section could be a third place for people, right? Like the book isn't hitting, the fan fiction isn't hitting, right? Like we go, maybe we go laugh a little bit. Yeah. And it's, again, it's done in such a loving way and an appreciate, and that there's an appreciation there. It's, I, I think that's to be said because there, I think sometimes we get, worried that the things that we love can be tainted with just like negative vibes for lack of a better word um and this just it really does feel like a safe space that you could be like oh this is done with love yeah and you know fan fiction is done with love of course it is i, I it could be argued that fan fiction has some of the most love oh, right yeah. I was like, right? where are you going with this? I'm about to fight, but I know we're on the same page. The most, the most love, the most appreciation, the most respect maybe uh, can, can be found in the fan fiction space. And, and there are a lot of fan fictions that are being uh, reworked and being published. Yeah. And that is so special. Yeah, that's so special. And it's so, it's so like you're happy. You, you, you want to find a way to support the people that like have brought you joy. I think recently, one of the most recent announcements was that Manacold is going to be re like adapted and reimagined into like this present day. I don't have all, we don't have all like the details yet, but it'll be, it's been picked up traditionally published, um, as alchemized. So. Get your downloads now from AO3 um, and don't do illegal bookbinding purchases. Don't buy it. Yeah. And I think I statements again. It, <laughs> it's just it's just another it's another place. Right. So yeah, fan and, fiction is like a third. But you're right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And fan fiction that has been reworked into a published thing, right? A published thing is its own like facet of this that I think we can't ignore because there are lots of fandoms out there. There are, I mean, we're just talking about a few. There are a lot of fandoms out there. Um, I know, I know uh, that uh, Kylo Ren has his own little fandom. And I know that his fandom has fan fiction that has been published traditionally into a very successful I assume I haven't read it. The Love Hypothesis, very successful book. I know the cover, Adam Driver. That's Adam Driver on that cover. You can't, you can't tell me that's not him. Uh, and you can't tell me that's not him because, uh, Jess, you and I have been in his presence. Oh, he's so, he's so nice. I know uh, at least like our interaction with him. I yes. statements. Our interaction with him was very nice. We saw him, um, in New York, uh, in his play with Carrie Russell, who thighs for days. That man has beautiful, beautiful thighs. I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, Laura, okay. I'll at least appreciate that part of him. Uh, but when we met, I say met, when we interacted very briefly. <laughs> yeah, it's not a formal meeting, yeah. Yeah, no, when we interacted very briefly uh, with Adam after his Broadway show, he signed our um, playbills. Our, yeah. But he would not sign Star Wars things because yep. he wanted to keep the fandom separate from his Broadway work. And I do think that boundaries in the fandom are very important. You know who else did that? Um, David Tennant, when he had a play that he was doing at the Brooklyn Art Museum, he was doing the same thing. He would sign the playbills, but he wouldn't sign um, Doctor Who stuff um, at the stage door. Yeah, and I I think that's very nice and, and very respectful. So if you are in a book hangover, there are places to i know it seems like there are but there are places to go right you go to fan fiction fan fiction doesn't hit maybe you try parodies maybe you try comedy maybe we laugh a little bit if that doesn't hit maybe we stay in the fan fiction world and we go to fan fictions that have been published it's not just the love hypothesis we have some old school ones jess oh yeah i think probably the most well known that people forget is Twilight fiction connoisseur E.L. James having her having going from Twilight fan fiction to Fifty Shades, not just in a book, but in an entire movie franchise. Um, I always love bringing that that little tidbit up because we're like, did you like, hey, you really like Fifty Shades? Have you read Fifty Shades? Do you know it's Twilight fanfic? <laughs> Do you know? Did you know? <laughs> And then watch their face because that's amazing, right? Like and maybe connoisseur is the wrong word I should be using. She is just somebody who, you know, who who also had fanfic get traditionally published as it was reimagined and into another form of medium. As did Cassie Clare. As did Cassie Clare. What was hers originally? Hers was Harry Potter fanfic. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think you told me that one time. Ago. Yeah. I forgot. Mm-hmm. So it is out there. So that, so fanfic that has been reworked, reimagined, and published in one way or another is another 
avenue that you can explore if the book hangover is just not letting you go because it can just keep you in its clutches. It, it really can. Yeah. And it can suck like the life out of you. And, and that is awful because there is so much good out there that you can stay in your safe, happy, comfort universe and have a thousand different experiences and live 10,000 lifetimes, right? Like you can do all of that in your happy world. Your ha- yeah, that's such a good point because sometimes it's like you just don't want to leave it but you don't know how else to explore it or what other mediums there are there to explore. And if none of this is working, (laughs) if absolutely none of this is working and parody is just like not your thing, well, what about satire? Because let me me read you a definition, okay? Let me read you a definition. Um, Parody is a comedic commentary about a work that requires imitation of the work. Satire, even when it uses a creative work as the vehicle for the message, offers commentary and criticism about the world and not that specific creative work. So may I draw your eyes to Starship Troopers. You love Starship Troopers. I love Starship Troopers. I will take any opportunity to talk about Starship Troopers. <laughs> you, you want? You will have me watch it with you. You're like, hey, you can't get away from this screen share. <laughs> you have me watching with you. I love Starship Troopers. It is it is amazing. It was misunderstood when it came out. Everyone took it seriously. It was satire, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want a space opera that is. Ooh, but it's space and it's satire, especially with like, you know, the, the events coming up later this year. It is really something to, you know, put your eyes at because from there, there's a lot of places that you can go. And it is just very fun. And I do think that sometimes we get stuck in a rut and we just can't pull ourselves out of, of, books and let's you know accessibility let's let's just talk about like dip your toes into other genres see what you like you can always dnf that too right like you can always just say no this isn't for me and keep exploring because i think that is kind of the key takeaway here keep exploring because you don't want to just like blah, right? You want to chase your next adventure. You want to have the next thing. And sometimes you can get bogged down in the nitty gritty and you just need that next thing to pull you out. And don't stop looking for that. So in a way, you're saying we should have an exploration of fandoms. I'm such a nerd. You picked up what I put down. <laughs> so good. You saw what I was doing from a mile away, and you were like, yo, I'm ready. Throw the ball. Catch. I, I'm going to catch it. Touchdown, Jessica Marie. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. Mm. End scene. On that note, please feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're at Acafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Acafe Laura, and Acafe Jessica. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.